0: Welcome to the b and Podcast with Brandon Colby-Cook and Evan Schulte. Exploring the creative process and finding the balance between artistry and industry.
1: Entirely uncut and unscripted. Here we go for Not So Serious Sunday. Not So Serious <laughs> I feel like we always put on this voice every single time we do it. Not so serious. <laughs> we need to Sunday. do our <laughs> we need to do our Russian testing voices. Oh yeah, yeah for uh, yeah nobody would really know what that that is. No, but when, let's when see. we test the mic, we we have these Russian characters that we <laughs> that sort of come out <laughs> testing, testing, testing. <laughs> <laughs> Does this is sound good to you, um, Sputnik? Just the, Sputnik, the mic. Sputnik Just randomly throw whatever Russian words that you know. People are like, "What the hell podcast did I just turn on?" Yeah. No, you've come to the right place. This is the B and E podcast talking about art and and, and, and artistry and integrity and the creative process and all of that good stuff. Yeah. And uh we're freeballing it today as freeballing free yeah, as we always do on not so serious Sunday. That's right. Um so yeah, let's see what happens. Let's yeah, see, let's see what happens. We'll see what It starts off with us being like uh,
0: <laughs> and ends <laughs> with us
1: being like, yeah, you yeah, know? really profound, right? yeah. What really <laughs> happened? <laughs>
0: Um, Yeah, I don't know. Let's see. Uh, So I've been finding I've been finding it's, uh, you know, being
1: being a, a writer in the industry has been really interesting. Every day is a new day, a new experience with it all. Yeah, you've been working. I've been seeing some of your posts. You've been hard at work on like this new script, and like you've got your your outline and your (laughs) you're you're pounding away at the page. Well, you know it's funny because
0: uh, nobody. One thing about being a writer, um, like a paid succeeding writer, is the odd thing is that no one even knows that any of this is happening unless you tell anyone about it because no one really sees the movie or whatever hears about you really until things start to like actually, you know, get made. And what, what people don't realize too, as a writer, I mean, you could be writing a script for, you know, you could be writing for months or years even before anything happens. And so I, I had, it kind of dawned on me that um, a lot of people didn't know what I was up to. So I posted some pictures on social media and it was interesting the amount of people who all of a sudden started messaging me like, what's going on? What's all this? And it's like, and they're like, I never knew. And I was like, yeah, that's, I thought about that. I was like, I, I realized so many people don't even realize I'm up to this, you know? Yeah, I mean? that's, yeah. It,
1: it is, you know, and maybe that's, maybe that's one of the things about like, you know, writers are always, uh, you know, in the grand scheme, uh, especially in the film industry, like they're, they always say like they're the most underappreciated, undervalued, but the, well, not necessarily undervalued, like most very commonly, like almost everybody will say that the writer has the most important job in terms of making a movie. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> that's without that great script, none of it happens. And, uh, but it's, it's interesting because like, they're often like some of the lowest paid people in terms of the entire production. Mhm. Not that they get paid Poorly, yeah, you know. But when you come in comparison to you know whoever the lead actors are and like the director and stuff like that, like it's pretty, it's pretty small in comparison. Yeah, it can be for sure. And you know, maybe there's a large part of that that has to do with the fact that the writers are not are are kind of like recluse, you know, like they're they're often thinking, maybe you're going to change the game, Brandon. You'll, you'll start like, you'll, you'll social have, media, you, the whore. social media, <laughs> <laughs> you'll just start this thing and writers will start, you know, doing the social media thing and become celebrities. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe no, they will. Because really right. Like writers are not typically associated with celebrity unless there's somebody like a, a JK Rowling or yeah. even a Sorkin, but honestly, like I probably would not recognize Aaron Sorkin if I, if I saw him sitting in a coffee shop.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. I know people don't,
0: people don't necessarily see their, their face and they don't hear from him as much. Um, and I think it's, it's interesting cause, uh, writing such a, it's vulnerable in a way. I mean, you don't, so I, I don't know. It's, it, and it's a process. So like, um, the, the way I look at it is just kind of like, I, I wanted to kind of share a little bit of my process. And, and I, you know, I find every writer has a different process, but it's, it's, it's good for people to see, you know, that, that things are going on and maybe like, you're not necessarily getting recognition and things. I think this is important for artists because I think a lot of the time, if, if, you know, when you're doing your art, you're not, you're not getting that recognition. And I think if you've ever done things for recognition, I know I have when I was younger, um, writing is not probably that appealing because you know you, you 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 know you stole away in a in a cafe or in your place or something for x amount of time until finally you know someone says this script is shit <laughs> 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 go rewrite it <laughs> and then you stole away for another while and then finally maybe you come up with something really great um, and I you know it's interesting I actually have some now I think but I actually have some stuff to share about uh, some research I was doing online about. The movie industry and the way things are going, um, and I think that people are—you <clears throat> know—a lot of people are, are going about being writers in a really like ineffective way, and that's why a lot of writers aren't necessarily working and getting paid to do it. And right. and um, actually, if you understand kind of the statistics of how things work today, even as like say this relates to being a film investor or a director or really an actor or anything, um, but if you understand how the business has evolved you, you know, and, you, and you're doing it without knowing the odds of you really actually succeeding are so, so small, yeah. not because you're not good, but because it's a, it is a game to it. There's actually a science to it and they're starting to uncover this more and more. And, um, and the people who don't understand it, in, in my opinion, are, are going to struggle because, you know, you're going to leave it up to like a gamble. You're going to leave yeah. all your work up to a gamble. I think the difference, is that, and this is what I was going to share when I first started talking about it, was that I'm realizing more and more that the reason why things are kind of going all right for me, at least right now as a writer, is that I've been doing things not from a place of a gamble, but from understanding the nature of the business and working that, you know, and working it from a very like, you know, just a a real understanding of what's actually going on. And I think as a writer, you kind of need to do that because you need to understand all the components that are in place before a script ever gets made, because you create a blueprint, but you got to think about it. It's like, I'm, I'm like an architect. Well, in this case, I was a hired architect, but I'm still an architect. And what we ultimately need to do is we need to bring on people who are going to build this thing anyway, you know? So if you want to make movies, you, you need to start thinking about who's going to get attached to this? Who's going to be a part of it? And not just in like one person, like, Oh, I need a finance or I need, I need one person to believe in my script. No, you don't. You need like 30 people to believe in your script. You mean like there's a lot of people that need to start believing in your script. Not to make the task (laughs)
1: any more intimidating. (laughs) (laughs)
0: But I think it, it, uh, um, and I, I think, you know, one thing I've noticed with like going down to say AFM, the American film market, you know, um, especially the last couple of years with like hanging out with the producers I'm with and stuff and, you know, getting, hearing pitches from people and not just at AFM, but, you know, you see a lot of AFM and, uh, you know, you see a lot of people who are making these movies and it's not that their movie idea is no good, but they just don't understand how the business works. They don't understand that people are looking at this movie and they're looking at the elements that are in place and they're going, there's n- no way, this is going to make money, or at least there's no way we can be sure it would make money. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, what people are looking for when a movie gets made is they're looking for a certain amount of insurance that yeah. that if money's put in or time and effort is put in, that there's going to be a return. And I think that as artists, like this is an important thing, you know, because that's more of a business-minded set. Yeah, but I think like this is the, this, you know, this is kind of our, our talk, you know, this podcast, we're trying to figure out how does artistry meet industry. And I've just found as a writer, you really, you don't need to know business necessarily, but you need to understand how the business works so that you can see your part in it, you know? And I think um, it's probably helpful for business people to understand the artists to some degree and understand art so that, you know, if you're trying to make art into something, you know, you, you know you're know you going to have to figure out a few things outside of business, right? Mm-hmm. but. Um, yeah, no, it's been f- quite fascinating, you know? And anyway, my
1: side note, yeah. Artists, writers, we don't share enough. <laughs> Actors share. <laughs> yeah. One of the things I thought was uh, really interesting from like some of the images that you posted is like, cause I, I, I recognize some of the, uh, some of like the, the, the papers that you, you had out as like, th- those are your, your outlines. Like those are like your outlines that you, that you teach and you give to people who take your course.
0: Yeah, they are. I, I, you know, I don't teach anything I don't do myself. Um, you know, everything that I teach, I try to share my process with it. And I found that people who work with me find it to be extremely efficient and effective and, uh, and they usually adopt it and they start using that from ever since they work with me. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I test it and I, I'm actually, what was really cool while I've been working on this project is I actually evolved that process even further. I, I made some discoveries with it and I think that's what happens. And now in the new people who work with me or people who continue to work with me, they're going to get this new evolution I discovered. Yeah. And this discovery I made, when I made it, I literally danced in my living room because I was like, this is so awesome that I figured this out. Like, yeah. like, and I think this is the important part of structure is that um, you know, I don't think people should ever knock structure. Cause I mean, I'm in a bit of a, I'm structuring parts of this plot together. Yeah. And what was really crazy, this is a true story, right? And the, the person who's a true story called me cause he saw it online and he, he was getting really excited about it. And, and I, and then he was like, yeah, you know, there's this stuff that I forgot to tell you. And I was like, oh my God, this fit fits so perfectly in the yeah. story. But, but I had kind of made this structural discovery about how to like, you know, and it's it's weird because I don't think of it like you know the one thing I don't like about books and the way they teach structure, they teach it almost like an afterthought, like an like a like a someone observed someone doing it and then broke down how they did it and then went this is how they did it, so we should all do it this way because this is the way they did it. Whereas I look at structure more from a principle place, like a like a process, like it's the 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 structure needs to always be the same in a sense, no matter who's doing it, but not because it's a tactic, but because it, it serves a purpose. For example, um, and I think I mentioned this in the other uh, podcast we were talking about, but the climax, the climax is not an invention that someone created a tactic out of it. The climax is, it makes logical sense. Your story needs to have its highest point. It yeah. needs to have its highest point. That's all the climax is. You know what? And then people say, oh, you need to have the climax. And there's all this other stuff. And it's like, it's just a principle. The idea, there's a point to it. It needs to be the highest point in the story. That's it. Your highest point, my highest point, someone else's highest point, all different. But I think that's where people, like, they say, I don't want structure because they think structure is trying to tie them into some observation. Yeah. But anyway, my discovery was not an observation-based place. This was me literally doing the process and, and, and excavating some Quality, some principle, yeah. and I was like, "Wow, what a discovery!"
1: And there's, yeah, that's, and creativity occurs within, within that, which I think is really exciting. Yeah, it's and neat. if you're interested, we we did a, we did, I think, a terrific cast a few weeks back about structure. Yeah, we and did the importance yeah. of structure. So if you want to really like listen to some stuff about that go and check, check that one out. That was a good one. Yeah. I don't remember which number, but I'm sure you'll find it.
0: It was pretty. Yeah. It wasn't
1: that long ago. It was, it was, it was a few ago, like maybe six Yeah, or something. (laughs) Well, there you go. Um, Look on the list. Yeah. I think that's really cool because it's like, that's, that's just, you know, creativity showing up within the process itself as opposed to necessarily the work. Yeah. Right. Or like the, the body of work, I should say. Um, you know, it was actually like the process itself had its own like creative element to it, where it was just like, Hey, here's a new thing to incorporate into this. And that's always, you know, that's always so exciting. Like I'm, you know, as, as an actor and as, and as a writer, when you come across these things that just change the game for you mm-hmm. in terms of how you approach something in terms of how you approach a process, something that really just like clicks, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's a really, that's something that's really important to, to be open to Yeah, is, you know, like it's, we've, we talked about the importance of structure, but yeah, to, to be able to be open to creativity within that structure for something to come and change that and shift that.
0: Yeah. You have to be, I mean, you know, like I think what I, what I think will happen for me as a writer and just in my experience right now is because, you know, I got more scripts that are lined up after this one, but, um, as I keep writing these things, what I think is going to end up happening is I'm just going to get more and more refined with it because I actually think my structure model as effective as it is, one thing it does for me, it's still limited. It's kind of crude. Um, but, but what it does is it helps me write scripts really, really quickly. And one thing that the producers who I work with, every time I write a script, they know it's going to work they know it's going to work. So that takes a whole worry off the table. Like, it's not like it's going to be, and it's not to say that I'm not bound to structure either, but there's a certain, there's certain, like I said, there's like principles, you know, like, um, like you don't, I don't know, like if a movie takes place on earth, there's like, say the law of gravity has to exist within your movie. It's not like, it's not an arguable point. It's kind of like, it, it, it is kind of there. If this is on earth, then we have to deal with gravity. Like your your characters can't be floating around like they're in space if they're on planet earth, at least. Right. Unless you can justify that gravity stopped existing on earth and then we can break that rule. But that's the same with structure. When you write a script, there's like gravity in your script and you have to acknowledge that that's there and you have to work with it. So that's how I kind of do my structure. And so what I'm finding is that the, 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 I'm just refining it. It's very crude right now. It's like, yeah, my feet are stuck to the ground. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it, it, it and, and then like, I imagine in the next like five, 10, 15 years, what's going to be really interesting is it'll probably be so refined that I'll see things that I never even saw before. I was having a discussion with someone the other day and I feel this, this hits on the point, but we were talking about there and they were like, and they pointed it out actually. They were like something about S well, and I, I know I've said this, but they were like, Eskimos and the way they describe snow. And, uh, um, how do they, I don't know, something like basically, and, and I, have heard of this comment. I comment that the politically correct term now is Inuit. Inuit. Okay. <laughs> okay well, Inuit. maybe that is uh, the correct term, but my, my point is, is that everything isn't just snow for them some things are ice, some things are sleet, some things are powder, some things are right. different descriptions, right? And so I think as you become a, a, a storyteller, you start to refine your terms of understanding. So yes. everything isn't just like one one word. It's not just story, but story starts to evolve. You know, these these elements of story start to evolve and you and you refine them. And then you start to understand specifically what they are. For example, you know, if you were going to go snowboarding, you'd want powder that's more preferable as opposed to an icy surface. Right. Um, and you know, we, we can understand that it's not necessary powder and ice aren't necessarily better, but they do different things. They have a different effect in the physical world. Right. Same with the story. And so it's all just this refinement. It's really fascinating is, but, but it's one thing to, to say, like read that in a book, but it's another thing to do it. Like when you put your feet on ice, Like, that's kind of what I'm experiencing right now. It's like my feet are on ice. So it's like, what happens? Yeah. (laughs) You know, know? it's different.
1: Yeah. And, and it's, yeah, it's, and that goes with, with actually exploring it and, and, and evolving as a person too, you know, and, and growing in, in that way. It's, it's so important that, you know, you don't get like, yeah, there, there, it's great when you find something that works, you know, absolutely. But, you know, that's, that's still just a place to continue building off of, Mm -hmm. right? It's like, okay, this works. And then as you, as like, so now that you've got something functional, now the rest is you start to play with it and engage with it. And yeah, you start to learn the nuances by actually using it and by actually doing it, you know, like to, to use your, your like snowboarding reference, right? Like for myself, I'm not an experienced boarder at all. Um, So like for me, I would not necessarily know the difference between what it is to hit, sleep, and powder, and like what that I, I have no, I don't know what that means. Someone could explain it to me, I suppose, right. intellectually, but I've never experienced it. Right? I I wouldn't be able to to say why that's important or okay. or what the effects are of that. Yeah. Um. You know, f- to to throw something else into this, it's like um, that I would be able to maybe relate to a bit more is when I started playing electric guitar, you know, like I played acoustic for, you know, when I started learning to play, like I learned classical and then acoustic and I played just acoustic for years and years and years and years, never picked up an electric guitar. And then a number of years back, I got into it and I couldn't have told you the difference between so much stuff in it. It's like, I don't know. And, uh, an amp is an amp and, uh, you know, a, Guitar is a guitar. They they look different, and right, you know whatever. And now through years of having experience with playing different instruments and playing on different amps, it's just like oh my god, <laughs> like there's just so much to it, right? Well, there's we just were so at the mu- coffee
0: shop, and you told me about this guy saying what he did to the sound of his guitar. And you were like, and I understood everything he said. Oh. <laughs> what yeah. yeah. That? Why don't you say what that is for oh, those yeah. guitar fans I, so, out there?
1: So yeah, I was watching this, um, you know, I I my probably one of the biggest geek things that I waste time on <laughs> is YouTube videos of like guitar and, and amp demos. And uh there was this one guy who was demoing this guitar amp, and he Oh god! How did he put this? He was—it was something like it's like all right. This next model is uh, is based on a 1960s AC 30 with the top boost. I've got the bias set to vintage and the response <laughs> set to tight or whatever. And I was like, oh my god! I know exactly. <laughs> I know everything that he just said. <laughs> and I had a little laugh to myself. I'm like, most of my friends would have absolutely no idea what that what that had to do, but it's you know, you, as, because you care about it. Right. And that's the thing. It's like, it doesn't mean that every, like not everybody needs to know what that means. Like it's completely unnecessary for most human beings to understand what that, that is, you know, just as like, you know, not everybody's a writer, not everybody needs to understand the little nuances behind what crafts a great story. But the thing is, is that everybody really enjoys a great story and everybody really enjoys a great sounding song. Yeah. Right. You
0: know, it's totally, well, you know, I mean, I remember sitting there with you and you were playing guitar and you showed me some things on the amp and the way, the way you could change the sound. And I never, I've never like, I never actually experienced anyone doing that. And I was like, wow, I, I always wondered, like, how do people get that sound? Like, how do people get this particular sound out of their guitar? Because I have an electric guitar and it's always sounds the same to me, like, <laughs> other than maybe turning up the gain or whatever the hell that, you know, like, yeah. you know, but I don't really know much about it. So I have I've only been able to alter the sound in very little minimal way, but you were like literally transitioning from one style of play to another style of play. And it was fascinating to me. And I think that, that's the thing. It's that there's this, you've developed a certain refinement around, around the guitar, right? Like around playing that instrument and, and writing's the same way. And it's, yeah, you don't necessarily have to know it, but it sure is helpful when you want to do something, you know? And, and I think that's the, that's the really great thing about having like a writing mentor or something, someone who, or a guitar mentor is someone who can kind of go, you know, what, like, like, uh, I was, I was coaching a writer the other day and, uh, they were, they were like, I don't know how to put the last line in my script. And I was like, I was like, okay. And they were explaining the story to me. And I, I read their last couple of scenes or last few scenes. And I was like, I was like, what are you, what are you trying to go for? What's the, what's the feeling? And they were like, um, and they were trying to answer They're like, can you ask me that in another way? And I said, sure. Well, what's the message? Which the theme? What are you trying to say? And then they said, well, I'm trying to say this. And I, and I just, I just said, you know what? I think what's happening is your dialogue's just on the nose. You're trying to say what your message is. And they were like, you're right. And I'm like, why don't you let trust that that message is already in your story and talk about anything but that. And it just hit them. And they were like, that's exactly what I need to do. (laughs) I was like, and that's the refinement. You, You realize that sometimes by doing the very thing you're trying to do is that the only way you won't get it. Yeah. You know, and that's the refinement. You start to realize like, for example, structure, sometimes you need to realize that the very structure you're using is the thing that's stopping you from doing it. Yeah. And so you, you might need to try the structure, but what's ironic about structure and script in a way, in a weird way, when you go against it, it somehow supports itself. Like for example, um, if you invert the climax you, you, you know, you end up, um, like you just end up creating a new climax somewhere else, or you, or if you try to go the total opposite, you just create the lowest moment in the story you, you really like, or you, um, if you try to break certain like rules though, like for example, I'd love to be able to jump 10 feet in the air, but on, on earth, you know, based on a gravitational pull, that's not going to happen based on my own physical ability, at least um, based on just my own pure physical ability, I could try my whole life. I don't know if I would ever achieve that. I don't like to say can't, but I don't know <laughs> if it's going to be possible. But if you put a jetpack on me, if you give me a spring, if you give me a bouncy board, if you give me some additional thing to add to it, I might be able to achieve it. And I think that's the refinement of it. He goes, well, what's the springboard you need? You know? Yeah. Right? And that's all she needed. She just needed the springboard and then boom, the answer is clear. Yeah. You know? And, and it's like your amp, right? Your amp's the springboard. Okay. What are you trying to achieve here? And then you know how to do it. Right. Right. But like, say an amateur like me who has no idea. I would be like, I have no idea how to achieve that sound. Yeah. But this is how we're, you know, this is the interdependence of art. This is where we all start to work together and, and help show each other because, just because you're not the most experienced person and you haven't dedicated like 20 years of your life to something doesn't mean that you can't achieve that result. Yeah. You just need maybe some people around you that can help you see, you know, and, uh, Gabe talks to me a lot about this, but he's like, focus on your vision when you communicate to people, because that is the thing. And, and I really agree. I think that's right. It's like, when I talk about vision I don't necessarily know how to achieve the vision, but the vision excites people. And then people help me achieve that.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then you figure out how to get there. Yeah. You know, you've got it. Yeah. And the vision is, is interesting because it's, it's the beginning and it's also the end. Yes, it is.
0: I know. (laughs) It's so funny. It's, it's, it's the the beginning and the end, but the middle part is the part that you don't know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So you got this vision Right here it is, and we got to get over to the other side to see that happen. And yeah, yeah, yeah all the in between stuff. It's ironic because you have to start with it because I mean that's what gets people excited and enrolled in an idea.
0: Yeah, the vision, right? But if people like go, well, there's no way for that vision to happen. Well, then you don't believe in the end result. So, but at least that seeing the vision in the beginning straighten that out. <laughs> you know, yeah. it either got you in or it got you out, right? Yeah. But if you never talk about the vision you have kind of these people that maybe don't actually believe in your vision, but they're just kind of on the ride. And if they ever found out what it was, they might be like, Oh no, I don't, I don't know if that's possible. Right. And I think that's the the part was like, is it exclusive or inclusive? Like I want to know someone's vision because I'd like to be on the inside. I would like to be included in this whole thing as opposed to being a, a gun for hire where it's just like, you know, I think that's the same thing with being hired as a screenwriter. Actually, it's funny. It parallels right back to my thing. Yeah. Because people are hiring me and I want to know their vision that I think that's the question I ask that most writers don't ask because they went through, I got to tell you, they went through a vat of writers before they came back to me. And the thing is, is I was the only one asking the right questions. You know, that, that was the, the difference between, uh, between this one and, uh, you know, and a couple of others that seem to be coming down the line is that, I'm asking the questions about things that are making me included. Like that's why I really believe is the difference. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not asking like, like I never, I don't ask questions like how much money and all this other crap, like all these things I ask, like, okay, what are you trying to say with this movie? Why do you want to tell this movie? You know, what is it about it that means something to you? You know, and that is what gets people enrolled in the idea. And then once we've got that covered, then let's talk about money, you know, because money's the last thing on the table. You know what yeah. I mean? Like,
1: I, I think that's like, that's so interesting how, how that it works that way. Mm-hmm. Cause even though, you know, it's still very much, it's a business, you know, people still want the vision first, yeah you know, it's, it, and very often we get caught up in all of the technicalities of things. I know like I've been guilty of this, you know, t- telling people, you know, about my projects and my scripts and stuff. And and, you know, you, you end up spouting off a bunch of stuff that, you know, you think you should say, you think that, you know, people, you know, want to hear, you know, how I'm, how I'm going to plan to do this and, and, you know, what the, I don't know, like what the budget is and what the blah, 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 blah. Nobody cares. Yeah. You know, it's all inconsequential. It's like, yeah. you, it's people want to hear about the vision and what actually makes you really passionate about this thing you know, that's what people really want to see is passion.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And, you know, I think, um, it's actually that, that when you pitch something too, you pitch the vision, you know, if you pitch the logistics, you see this all the time down at the American phone market, people are well, I got three, it's a $3 million budget. And I got this pending thing with this actor and blah, blah, blah. And yeah. they're
1: telling you all this stuff. You got a pay to play contract. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> exactly. Like, and that's like, great. But yeah. what is
0: it? And and I think from uh from a analytical business point of view, those elements are important, but I think that still, we're still people. We still want to connect to story at the end of the day. And, um, I think, we're at the beginning of the day, really. Yeah. I mean, that's what we want. We want to get connected to the story. Tell me about the story. Get me enrolled in that idea. You know, um, for example, my friend Owen, who is on the show, yeah. actually pitched him to uh, Imagination Playground, which is this big public company that's making a bunch of movies. And I pitched them the story. I didn't pitch them the logistics and all that other crap. Yeah. And they were like, whoa, that sounds interesting. Let's schedule a meeting. And now things look like they might be moving forward with him. His books might be turned into movies now. Yeah. This is crazy. You know, you never really know. But the thing is, is that I think what's important is that I can, I can say for sure it really is. People are getting attached to the vision first and then we're figuring yeah. out the logistics.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, and sometimes we, we move forward with the logistics you know, ahead because we think that that's what's important. It's like, well, because it shows that I, I know what I'm doing yeah. and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and it's like, you know, like there's, there's plenty of like big name people who get involved with projects that turn out to be big, giant piles of garbage. But if you come in and you know, you, you have this tr- an incredible vision, this incredible idea of something and, and you get people enrolled in that, you know, in, into what you're passionate about, into what you're excited about and bring them on board, make them a part of it. And then you can say, Oh yeah. And by the way, I've got this person and that person who are, you know, it's just, it's like, like blown out of the, the, blown out of the water completely.
0: You know, it becomes, it becomes more of a, well, of course you do because it's like, yeah. like, because I mean, this is a great project. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like, you know, you want to get, uh, you want to get some big actors or, or big people attached to your movie. They're probably going to come. I mean, I think we're all into this. I mean, some of us are a little bit into the money and we're a little in for the fame and stuff like that and whatever, these external things. And maybe cause we want to date somebody, I don't know. <laughs> um, but I think for the most part, most of us are here because of story and character. And I think that's why yeah. we were attracted to this you know, this world and we want to communicate something. Yeah. So I think our vision needs to be more about what it's going to communicate. And, you know, um, story is a powerful, it's a, it's a really powerful thing. I would say that, you know, I think a lot of people write scripts because I mean, I get scripts and I, you know, I read them every now and then to try and help people out. Um, aside from my students, cause I try to correct them from doing this, but I think a lot of people write scripts because they think, Oh, this, this script will work. It's like, what does that even mean that it'll work? Like, do you care about the story? Is this something that's really important to you? And like, and why, you know, cause that's really what we all want to know. I think like, if you told me a story right now, just anything about your life, you know, I-, I would need to have some context as to like, why are you telling me this? And if it's natural, if it flows into the conversation, then you go, okay, I can understand why you're telling me this. Right. Mm-hmm. But if you are just telling me something, cause you're like, you know, I think Brandon will think I'm really cool if I tell him the story or it's like
1: reverse or whatever. Yeah. There would be something like and inauthentic about yeah, it. Yeah. And you know, I've, I've known people like that. I'm sure, you know, you've somebody who, whoever's listening, but, <laughs> but since you're here for sure, Brandon, <laughs> um, you know, like I've, I've known people or I've had random conversations with people that they just start spouting off a, uh, a story that's yeah, completely out of nowhere. And you're just like, and, and I've just been, what? Yeah. Like, what are you, what are you talking about? I, I, I used to work with a guy. He used to tell me the most outrageous stories to a point where I actually like the, the, and they all came out of completely out of the blue, not out of any sort of conversation that we might've been having authentically. And then I'd just be like, yeah, yeah. So, uh, uh, this, and then also it's like, what? And I actually didn't even believe the conversations at that point. I actually to I, I think that they might be a bit of a sociopath to be honest with you. <laughs> uh, no, honest to yeah. God. They they might be because like it was, they were, they, they were, they, they were different, <laughs> 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 but, um, yeah, it was, but yeah, it's, it's got to come out of, um, yeah, <laughs> it's get Well, yeah.
0: I mean, I think, um, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I've definitely told stories where I've wanted to I I, I don't know if any of them ever worked out well. (laughs) Probably (laughs) not. I think I've told stories where, you know, I can think of where I've tried to be cool. I remember actually, uh, actually I can share one where I did it and, and just as early and it's kind of innocent, but I remember, um, we all had to get up in like elementary school and we all had to tell a story about something that happened in our past. Right. And, um, I had this one story about, um, my brothers and I, and we were playing pool or something downstairs. And my dad ran down with a mask and like scared us or my uncle, I, I don't remember now, but uh, ran down, scared us. And, but I was like six and eight years younger than my brothers. Right. So when it scared them, but it scared the hell out of me. And like, and it was really like kind of a funny, cute story, but the girl who had gone up before me had, um, told a story, which was a little bit different, but at the end of it, she had peed her pants and everybody in the class like laughed at the peeing the pants.
1: Yeah. And
0: I I was thinking about this the other day. I'm like, it's so silly that I did this, but I basically added to my story that I peed my pants and no one laughed because it was inauthentic. (laughs) Yeah. At the time I just said that part of the story because I wanted people to laugh like they did with her. Right. And I wanted to get the same kind of, you know what I mean? I think it's, it's funny because I think we do this in weird ways. Like I mean, it's, it's so silly. I think, I think back and I go like, why? But I guess I really wanted to get the same kind of affection back from the audience that she had gotten. Yeah.
1: I mean, it's silly and it, and it isn't same time because I, I'm listening to you tell this story and I'm just like, yeah, I mean, I've done stuff to try and (laughs) like, like I've, I've, you know, fibbed, I've, you know, (laughs) altered stories and, and changed details to out of some sense of looking, you know, cooler or looking, you know, more charming or I don't know. Just and and it's it's silly because the thing that got people to laugh at that girl's story was the authenticity of it.
0: Exactly.
1: You know, and it's like that's what you need to do. It's and, and it comes back to it and and it's weird because we distrust ourselves. We distrust the the value um of, of our experience of our lives and, and whatever. And it's just like, Oh, well, look, they like, look, they got a result. And we go for that guaranteed result. Right. And then she's like, Nope, it's not so guaranteed, not so guaranteed because yours wasn't true. It wasn't true. It wasn't authentic. And the thing is, is I,
0: I observed from her story and I deducted from my own awareness, which was not very aware, but I deducted that, oh, everyone laughed because it's funny that she peed her pants. So, but you know, here's the other problem with that is even if I did tell it and in a weird way, because I copied her, everyone had already heard that. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, like, I mean, I wasn't like directly up after her, but either way, everyone had already heard kind of that punchline of the story. Yeah. So I I kind of copied her punchline. You know what I mean? Right after (laughs) I'm embarrassed by it, but you know what? I'm, I'm kind of like, whatever, we're an open show. We just talk about it, get it out of there. But I look at it and go, that was a good lesson for me, you know, at a very young age that, um, you know, like I, I, it really broke the idea that copying anybody else was going to be like guarantee success. You know yeah. what I mean? But I think it's weird because, you know, there's so many times where you see these me too movies or, you know, I remember when Eminem came around and he was like, yeah, now there's all these white rappers. Now there's all these people who are trying to do what I do, but nobody is me. And it's yeah. really true. It's like, cause once that, once that he was authentic, at least in the the way that he did what he did. Right. Whereas a lot of these other people who you don't even know their names, um, they might've made some money. They might've, some of them probably just totally didn't, but, um, it was all a copy. So nothing ever outshined that.
1: Yeah. Or it's like a, it's a flash in the pan kind of a thing. Like you're, you know, you get your 15 minutes and then you're done. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's, it's almost a bit of a yeah, it's a bit of a cautionary tale. Mm -hmm. And I think there's so many different areas that you can point to and, and, and say that that's been true. You know, um, I don't know if I ever, I I know I've told this story probably to you at some point. I don't know if I've ever said it on the show, but there's, um, in Larry Moss's book, uh, the intent to live there's, he tells this acting story about, um, I, I, I can't remember the names of the actors, but like some, like an, Old like New York Broadway actors, like big time, they were actually a husband and wife and they had done this they were doing this play and they'd been doing a tour of this thing for like a year. They were they were running this. And there's this scene that happens between them and you know, from the first like several months of the run, he had this there's this moment where he asked her for, for a cup of tea. Right? And he's like yeah whatever the line was. Yeah. 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 And, and it got a huge laugh. I couldn't, I don't know the context behind it, but you know, it was getting a huge laugh, you know, at this moment he was asking for this tea and it was hilarious. And then at one point it just stopped like that, like the audience wasn't laughing and he was getting upset at her because he was like, you're doing something different. Like don't do something different. Like, you know, whatever. (laughs) And next night he doesn't get the laugh again. He's flipping out. And so after the third night, he doesn't get the laugh again. And he's just like, what are you doing? Are you just trying to sabotage? Like he's, he's losing his mind, you know, at his wife, (laughs) (laughs) you know, after this, after this performance and, and, uh, he says, you're doing something different and blah, 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 blah. And her response to him was stop asking for the laugh and start asking for the tea. Hmm. Right. Like, and we're the, I think that's what we're talking about is like, be authentic. Yeah. Like really, really do what you're doing, you know, and be committed to that and stop asking for all the other superficial garbage that's around it. Mm-hmm. You know, that, like there's, we've heard this piece of advice so many times where it's just like, do what you love and like really genuinely do it. And then the things will come yeah. from doing that right? Totally. We distrust that though so much, you know, like we're, we, we have such a, such an egotistical sense of what accomplishment means for us, you mm-hmm. know, it's get it from, from big things to little things, you know, from just getting the laugh to, you know, being, you know, walking the red carpet, you know, not that there's anything wrong with getting a laugh or walking a red carpet, but when, when you're coming from a place, when you're beginning from a place of that's like, that's the ultimate goal. I think you're setting yourself up for something for some huge disappointment.
0: Yeah. You're, you're trying to control something. It's like, it's kind of like that advice I gave to that writer, you know, is like, don't just don't say what you're trying to say. Like, like use your subtext, use that tool, you know? And, um, and and they immediately, they immediately were like, yes, that's right. And I think that's the thing is that like, when you're, when you're trying to do something, you you know, and it's just too direct. Like people are, people are smart. They catch on. Right. And, 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 and we can tell, uh, in authenticity a lot of the time, I think we, 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 you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess people lie and they, and they, and they can use trickery and things like that. But, um, I think when things really profoundly impact us, it's usually from a place of truth and, uh, yeah, you know, it's interesting, right? Like this, this, you know, I think, um, one thing is so many people out there in art are looking for shortcuts and there's not, I mean, I, it's kind of like I have bad news and I have good news. Bad news is there are no shortcuts Good news though, is that most people aren't doing it authentically. So it doesn't take you as long as you think.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, and I don't think, and I also think it's like, it's not as hard as you think. Yeah. You know, it's like, there's not, it's actually really easy. Yeah. It's actually really, yeah, yeah, it is. It's like once you strip away all the garbage, all of the, the expectations and the outcomes that you want to happen out of all of it and trying to like, and trying to control every little piece of it. once you strip all of that away, it comes down to vision and you just like do like doing whatever you have at the time and trusting it and, and going forward with it. And it actually makes it very easy. Mm -hmm. It's all the other stuff that we manufacture around it. Like all of these other concepts that we have around it that make it difficult.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, I, I feel like, I think we learn a lot of things about how to copy and unfortunately they get us immediate results, but cause long-term damage. Um, and you know, for those who don't, who don't kind of copy, or they learn not to copy or they, they see the effects of copy. They, um, they end up getting long-term gains, but sometimes it's short-term pains because you don't get the immediate kind of thing. And, um, but ultimately you get the greater reward as you actually have a real impact. You do something that's really unique. And, um, that's my problem with a lot of these books, you know, they go the of screenwriting books and stuff. And I, I, I really love like reading screenwriting books and reading storybooks and reading all that. But I feel like sometimes people are teaching how to better copy and, and I just think that's such a misleading educational model. It's like, you know, and the problem is, is like, I think there's some really like, and I have my books that I recommend to people, like read these books and then maybe start venturing out because this will give you a good foundation. But I think a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of like me too, um, books are telling you basically how to just be a better copier. And yeah. And that just is never, it's, you know, and I, i and
1: guaranteed results yeah. or guaranteed.
0: Yeah. Guaranteed. You're going to get results period. Yeah. So you might as well get results. You can actually understand and learn from not results that are controlled. That yeah. You don't, you don't even really know how you got, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, I mean, controlled by someone else because you never really like figured it out for yourself.
1: Yeah. I mean, one of the, um, and, and it's so important that you do start to figure some of these things out for yourself. Like it's, uh, I think it is important to say that, like, you know, there's nothing wrong with, with these, these types of, of books, these types of things that, that teach you that sort of that technical aspect of things. Um, but you know, it's like, no, know, know it's place, know it's place in what you're doing. You know, uh, hopefully you're getting into whatever creative thing you're doing because you love it and you have a vision of some kind like you and, and a love for it. That's where that's always got to be the first thing. Mm -hmm. That's always got to be the, the number one thing that's driving what you're doing. And then the rest is, you know, it's, it's the tools, you know, it's that springboard, right? But it's not the, it's not the actual thing that creates. I think that's where the big mistake is, you know, the guitar amp, is not the actual thing that creates the music. I create the music. It provides me with some, you know, with some things that I can play with. Yeah. Right. That's all that your, you know, your screenwriting tools are. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, one of, you know, my favorite screenwriting books was uh, Jeff Kitchens, How to Write a Great Movie. And I think that he uh, he even says in his book, you know, at a couple of, of points maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like he, it's been a while since I've read it, but <laughs> you know, he had a, a, has a kind of honesty about it. We're saying like, listen, I am just teaching you like, like basic structure that I have seen, like, and, and throughout the book, he has, uh, like five movies that he uses throughout it to illustrate how these tools are all in all of these movies. Mm-hmm. Right. But basically saying it's like the, these are only, these are only structure things. Like this will not, this will not make you a great movie, but, <laughs> like these things will at least assist you, in helping it. But you still have to have an original story. Yeah, and these can help that.
0: Right. Yeah. No. That's. Uh, I mean. And that's. Uh, I got to read that book. I think I actually have that on my shelf. It's one of the few books I have not read yet. Um, I always like to keep a few extras, you know, just so yeah. I always have something to pick up. Um, but it's funny cause I, I kind of put my screenwriting reading to the side and I've been reading it about some other topics. But, um, one thing I have been, I, uh, so I was doing some research. There's a company and they've been around for a few years now, at least they're called slated. Um, their whole model is about helping people to get financing for their movies. And it's all about the independent financing and connecting investors with, um, people who are packaging their films. Right. And right now they've published three blogs currently. They're probably going to publish a bunch more, but, um, I read all of them and, um, they were basically trying to turn film financing into uh, a measurable thing. And so they started to break down basically the numbers and they looked at like, um, they have a rating system for scripts. Essentially. I think any script that's over basically 70% on their rating system tends to make money. And it was one of the highest factors actually that, that helps movies make money. It's actually the highest. If you compare it to every other statistic they have like substantial, like four or five times higher than everything else. And they could actually based on their measurement. And they said it's crude right now. It's in the early stages. So it's not a guarantee, but, um, they could basically measure how things, like how many times something will make money. Like if it will make money, what's the breaking point? And then how many times it will make money based on these other factors. And it comes down to packaging, for example, like what actors are involved, what names are involved, what director, what, you know, what writers, blah, blah, blah. Um, Then it comes down to the script. It comes down to how much budget, how much the budget's put in. And then, um, another kind of crude measurement, which is something like all these factors put together. Maybe there's one more, I don't know, something like that. But anyway, it was pretty interesting. And they were talking about at one point though, in one of the blogs, they were talking about how it used to be, and this is going to kind of sound crazy, but it used to be that basically one in 10 films was the average. They, you know, like that would make money. Like everything else would lose. Nine out of 10 movies would lose money. And then one would make money based on the odds. Right. And they say now it's more like 20, but they were saying it's actually more like 50 if you look at the numbers. So one in 50 films will make money in the market of filmmaking. Yeah. So, um, what, what I found really interesting about this article is it points out to me that, you know, and they were talking about how like basically digital cameras, things are more accessible, but people don't understand how it works, the business. So they're going out and making a film and they're just doing it without knowing. So they're playing the one in 50 odds. So yeah, you know, one in 50 people who go out and make some indie film who basically do no packaging and don't really assess their script and don't really assess those things. One in 50, maybe, maybe, and that odd, that that average might, because it's very crude, might make money. So it's probably even worse, really, if you're playing in a total gamble, it's probably your odds are even more extreme. So basically, what the articles were pointing out to me was how the more you know about how the industry works, the more you can actually be on the the other end of actually making successful films. And I think when, you know, people should listen to Gabe's talk, Gabriel Napora, when Mm -hmm. we interviewed him, and he breaks down a lot of actually what makes a film work. Um, at least he, he opens up the door for the discussion and my school that we, we have, you know, we, we basically our whole model, it's going more and more towards great storytelling and, and actually helping people succeed in the business of filmmaking. Mm -hmm. But it's really fascinating because, I mean, people are going out there going, I'm the next best filmmaker in the world. I'm going to go do this. And it really, that's such a small fraction of what really matters. Like, um, because, if you don't understand the business and how all this stuff works, the odds and and the odds of a great film making money, not, not, we're not talking like the average films, the okay films. We're talking about a great film that's totally made independently with no names, no packaging, very little budget. Um, your odds are one in 50. Really. Yeah. And then everyone else who's like making like kind of crappy films and all that stuff. I mean, you're, you're just you're not even in the game. You're not even in the ballpark. They were talking about how, like, you know, how many films are made in the States and how many films are made worldwide and how many films actually get accepted into major film festivals. Um, you know, um, and it's, I I think the thing is, is numbers scare artists. Sometimes they go, well, I don't want to look at those numbers because it, it, it diffuses my dream. It diffuses my passion, but it's, I don't think the numbers are there to diffuse. They're, They're there for you to go, just put yourself, on the odds, like, like stop putting yourself on such terrible odds by not knowing. And, and and I'm speaking more to the podcast audience here by not knowing is, is basically, you might as well go to the casino and put all your money on, on black or put all your money on 21 on the, on the table and see if it hits because that's like, that's the best you got. You're yeah. not even on black. You're on a number. Right. And if you win big, maybe you won't even win that big, not in the film industry. Probably not. Yeah. So it's good for you to start to start working with people who understand how to, how to assess your script properly, how to package your script properly, how to look at what's the budget range, which you should try to aim at and stop telling stories about, I can't do that. I'm too new and blah, 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 because like there's a stepping stone to get there. Anyway, I find it fascinating. And I think that, um, you know, this is the stuff that people don't understand, you know? And then, and then, you know, you have these filmmakers, they come out of film school or whatever they're great. They're great filmmakers. Like I'm talking about the great ones, not the ones that are like, they don't really care. And they're trying to make it rich quick, but really great filmmakers. And they'll never be seen and never be known because they just don't understand. And it's, I I think it's like unfortunate. Yeah. So I, I, when I say this to the podcast audience here, I say like, guys, if you're a great filmmaker, like start learning about how this business works. Don't just be an artist, you know, start figuring out, like start pairing up with people who can help you because, you know, that's that, the only way we're going to succeed. And I say, we is like, if great people get together and start collaborating. Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah. And, and, um, yeah. And, and knowing that like, and it is, it's all what you want to do. It's like, if you just want to, if you just want to make films and not think about it, you know, then, then great, you know, then, then do that. But, you know, then don't, don't be upset when, you know, nothing necessarily happens with it. Yeah right? You know, but if you want your, if you want your film to be seen, if you want it to, you know, have some level of, you know, success out in the world and get in front of a lot of eyes, then there are some, there are some realities about things. There are, I I won't necessarily just say realities, but there's some things to take into consideration. And the best ways, to not, don't look at it as if like you have to compromise yourself on it, but like these awarenesses, th- the awareness can do nothing but help you mm-hmm. of it. You know, like it's, it, that's, yeah, I don't know. Like it's, it's like being ignorant to, it doesn't just make, make it go away. no. <laughs> you know, if, if what you want to do is if you want to have some level of success, if you want to be, you know, an A-list director, if you want to be, you know, behind the helms of, you know, Paramount's next huge, you know, huge picture, then, you know, there's, there's a way of going about that.
0: Right. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I was uh, actually interviewing cause I've been doing interviews with people who just one-on-one phone conversations with people who are kind of bigger in the industry. And, uh, this one producer who produces films that are between basically like two to $15 million and stuff. And I asked them like, uh, you know, I asked them some things cause I was talking actually about our the film we want to do on the highway. Right. And I was right. telling him a little bit about what we were planning and, um, they were saying some things about how, um, I just, I didn't tell them everything, but I told them kind of our idea. And they were saying, um, you know, I said a term like legitimate filmmaker and, and they said, well, it's really interesting. You say this term legitimate filmmaker, because what is the legitimate? Like, because you're talking about some of these other filmmakers who are kind of making films, but they're not, they're not, they don't really have a career out of it. Like at least if their career is like super minimal and they will probably never, they've made multiple films and, and, you know, they'll never, they're never crossing the gap, right? They're never actually, and, and, uh, you know, it's not really sustainable, right? If you look at it. And so you're calling these people legitimate filmmakers and in a way, like I totally see what you're saying. And like, you can do what you want to do, but, um, consider, consider the factors that actually are going to move your career up into another level. Mm -hmm. And even this person is like, I'm trying to move my career into the next stratosphere of what's possible. Right. But, but I think what the problem is, is that sometimes I think as artists, we think too small. And this is the thing that I, I, I kind of keep seeing. And I don't think that it's a problem to make a small movie just to know that you're not like, I look at the movie that we're making as something, it's a really important film. I want to make it. Um, I want to do it the smart way. I don't want to do it like a money loser, but I want to make sure that we make it and we're, we're mindful about, you know, nobody loses, everybody wins in the process, but I also see it as a stepping stone. I don't want to have to basically cut corners for the rest of my life making movies. I'd like to, you know, I'd like to move on to bigger budgets and, and, and work with bigger people and do this. Right. Yeah. But I think if we kind of settle for a very minimal type of model, we, we basically are bound to it you know, and then you never break out of it. And he was talking a lot about Canadian producers, Canadian filmmakers, and why Canadians haven't really broken out of the mold in certain ways, because we get a little bit, not not all, obviously, but we get a little caught in the inertia of legitimate filmmaker, like someone who's just kind of, you're making films, but your films don't really ever have a mass appeal. And they're not really put together, in a way that's going to work with the, with not, not just the American industry. This is the other thing that people don't understand with the foreign market, like these movies that like will only literally work in Canada, you know, or they'll only work maybe even in America and Canada. And the thing is, is that there's a whole other world out there. And a lot of people, one of the big issues that, you know, from these interviews I've been finding is that a lot of people are making films for just America and Canada. And that's, like America doesn't even make up half the market anymore. In fact, they say that the foreign market is more than half the market now. So, you know, the, 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 people say, well, I don't want to make an action film or whatever, but you got to understand that the whole world out there might not necessarily understand your drama or your comedy. And right. so you have to deal with in some ways the, the world in the way that it exists, because anyway, it, I, you know, we're making a film about, we're, we're, we're aiming here right now to make a film, a Canadian film and that, that it's not just a supposed to be a Canadian movie. It's supposed to be a movie that people can relate to about two guys who have a connection and, you know, and, and, and realize some humanity and brotherhood through the whole experience. That's really the story, but we have to be careful and from this conversation I had. We have to be careful that we don't think so small that we have such a minimal audience for what this movie could even appeal to. And, and not that you want to compromise the story, but this, that you want to have that mindset of like, you know, um, they say in marketing, I I think this is a great thing with marketing. They say, you don't want to ever have to sell someone twice. Mm. You know, you don't want to have to sell them on wanting it. They should already want it. Then you can sell them off if they want this or not. (laughs) Right. You don't need to sell them twice. If you're selling them twice or more, you created way too much work for yourself and probably a lot of problems. So movies are the same way. Um, when you make a movie, you don't want to have to sell people on even wanting to see your movie. You want to you want to sell them like, I already want to see a movie like this, but do I want to see this movie or do I want to see that movie? Because that's the thing is we have a hugely oversaturated market. So we don't have the luxury of, of convincing people who don't want to see dramas to start watching dramas. If we make a drama to some degree, we have to consider that we're really focusing on the drama atmosphere. Right, and we have mm-hmm. to think within that spectrum. I don't know. I'm talking very much like a producer, but I thought it was an interesting conversation. Yeah, it just I,
1: opens up some 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 valves in the in the mind. As yeah, as- and and I think that you know it's important because it's like you know it, it. I suppose like it might sound like we're we're contradicting ourselves at times. You know, and we say it's like well, you know, like we're saying like stick to your integrity and and it's your vision and and whatever. But you know, there to a degree, I think that, you know, we're, we're, we're still figuring some of this stuff out ourselves, you know, yeah. like, like, but that's part of what this is about. it's part of, part of the journey is, is, how do you, how do you, cause there's not necessarily any, there's no one answer for how, how do you balance this, this sort of thing of like, you know, the demands of the industry and the demands of, of you as an artist, right. And in, in what you do and it's, it can be tricky to navigate, and, but the thing is, is that, yeah, like being unaware, being ignorant of, of what it is out there, you know, it's not going to help you either. And, And, and I guess, you know, I guess my thing is just where, what do you want to do with what you do? Where do you want to take it? You know, because there's, and not to say that you can't change the industry, that you can't make some sort of a dent in it. And, and, and change sort of the way that it, it goes and directs. I mean, that's absolutely possible, but you know, you're know, you not going to do that by just completely neglecting something.
0: No, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, I think it's about awareness and, and not, not being ignorant because artists, I think as an artist, um, like choosing ignorance to somehow support your art is a, is a fallacy. And it's, a, it's a, you're, you're hurting yourself and you're yeah. hurting your art. But at the same time, I totally hear that other side of things, you've got to find balance. You don't just want to bow down to the business of the industry because the business and statistics and all this stuff, you know, is not like, again, even slated points out and, and, you know, I'm sure many people would skip this in the article, but they point out this is crude statistics. Yeah, It's crude. It's not refined yet. It's, it's still, we're just trying to help invest because basically what the problem is, is, and I think slated is trying to do a good thing, but basically they're talking about how investors are investing in movies and losing money. And this is giving a bad rap in many ways to film investing because, right. But the thing is, if if film investors are well-informed and they can understand like, like as an investor, what kind of movies are going to make money, what's going to be worthwhile. And even if they go in, say, endorsing a movie as opposed to going and saying, I'm I'm doing an investment to try to get money back, that they are aware of that. And that's clear. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, statistics are statistics. That's fine. I think it's good to be aware of them, but you don't have to, they're crude statistics. We don't have to be like, Oh, now everyone has to do this. They're just, yeah. Be aware of it. Just be aware of what's going on in the world. I mean, you know, and I, th- I think
1: that this makes us, um, better, better storytellers, better filmmakers. Yeah. I think it, it makes you better able to make a choice. Yeah. You know, like to, and, and I think that respect is also a big key, key word in all of this. Uh, you know, it's, it's like, don't just be aware of it just because like, all right, well, I'll just know what it is and, but screw it nonetheless. It's like, well, you know, a lot of these ideas and concepts from the business side of thing, they're there for a reason, you know, like they've consistently shown a certain result, you know, like these, these things, if they're in place, you know, they're from a business angle, it's like, this tends to show us the uh, greater level of success. And so respect that. Mm-hmm. Respect that there's, there's actually, there is something that's working there. There is something useful there. Knowing it will then, you'll be able to make a better choice for the story that you're telling, for the work that you're doing, where you can go, it's like, okay, you know what? I know things are typically done this way, right? In this situation, I'm not actually going to do that because I think that the story is going to be better if I don't. And that's how you start to create these shifts and these changes in the market is by actually, it's not by being ignorant to it. It's by being aware of it and then making an actual decision, a choice as a creative person and as somebody who wants to have a career and be in the business of it and say, it's like, okay, yeah, but I have a decision in this now. Mm -hmm. Right. But, and, but then also being, knowing why you're making that decision. Yeah. Because a lot of times, like we've, we've talked about this so often where, you know, you come up against, you know, these things so that you know how you can bend and you can break them. You know, sometimes you follow them because that's the thing that works because you know what, it's been tried, tested and true. And in this story, it works. It Mm -hmm. still works and it makes it work the best. Still, you haven't found a better way to, of doing it. Yeah. <laughs> right. But then maybe this next thing, this next part in the story happens or the next part of this, oh, you know, occurs and you go, it's like, okay, it typically goes like this, but I think it will be better if it goes like this instead. Mm-hmm. But you can't actually make that decision until you're aware of the directions that you can go of what your actual options are. Right. Yeah
0: yeah yeah awareness is uh, yeah it's awareness is so key you know actually i i was i want to um you know as we were talking about awareness i was thinking we could do a little a little test if you're game just to just to play with this idea
1: all right i'm kay. game i'm and, game and, and for your
0: game you'll like the beginning of it so when you think <laughs> the of, beginning of it yeah. i won't like the end of it no <laughs> no you'll like it um you'll like it either way i was just i was just blowing with you um so <laughs> no you're nervous so when you think of the movie Goodwill Hunting, mm-hmm. what do you think? What do you when, when you think of that movie? What kind of movie is it? Just like and, and try to answer as honestly as possible. Like when,
1: what hits Just you? generally, what I think of. Yeah. Goodwill Hunting. What kind of movie is it? It's heartwarming. It um, has heart. Um, gold. I for some reason I think well, Maybe that's because the cover has got lots <laughs> of gold on the poster for it. Um, Yeah. I think of something that has heart and, and, and soul to it. And, and it feels, and it's a, it's something that's lived in its breathing. What's it about? What's it about? It is about...
0: There's no wrong answer, by the way.
1: It's to me, to me, it's uh, in its most basic form. It's about a kid who doesn't know how amazing he is, who begins to discover... The beauty of what he is,
0: right? Yeah, and then you might say it's like kind of a love story, a little bit, and, and
1: whatever, right? Yeah, um, yeah. no, someone. We got some. We got some smashing going on. We got some.
0: you can't stop him.
1: Somebody just got bottled in the head. <laughs> Not true. <laughs>
0: like nothing you do it's like summer you got to keep some windows open but i
1: know it's so warm (laughs) in here i already i took my socks off because i was just like oh i know i'm just sweating um someone's
0: listening this winter and they're like damn you it's so cold
1: (laughs) (laughs) or whatever just try and translate your mind into this hot place we're in right now (laughs) um
0: so anyway so yeah it's you know you're you're talking about a guy he's trying to find himself all that stuff right and um I'd say most people probably said, but you know what? There's this really interesting part about Goodwill Hunting, which is about, he, uh, is basically going to be hired by, I think it's the NSA or whatever. Like, and he tells them like, Hey, I don't want to basically help you guys code something so you can drop a bomb and basically increase oil prices and put my buddies in Southie, like out of a job. So yeah. you can hire people in some third world country and pay them 15 cents an hour which a lot of people don't really think of the movie when they think of that. But the movie actually has some really profound awarenesses about world events outside of some dude who lives in Boston, who is trying to find himself and, and is loving this girl. Yeah. That's the thing is that that movie is, it's profoundly powerful because it's, it, it hits at the very core of humanity and the very like simple, small worlds we live in, but it opens itself up to the big world. And it mm. says, Hey, I have a message beyond this. Yeah. You know? And, um, that's the thing is I, I think awareness is important because I, I was just rewatching that monologue, you know, this morning.
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a terrific monologue. It's a
0: terrific monologue. And I was thinking, yeah, like that's the thing a lot of people don't think about with, uh, with goodwill hunting. They don't realize that, you know, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck were very aware of the world. They weren't just making a movie about a guy and his friendships and his love. They had even more to say to it. There was more to it. And I think that this is my point was that ignorance does not help you. Awareness helps you. Mm -hmm. You don't have to use it, but it will inform things. You'll it'll add, it will enhance the story you tell. Yeah. Right? And so like I'll just tell you from my my own experience with writing this true story. At first when I was focusing on writing the story, it was mostly just about the guy and his story. And then I started thinking about what about his mom? And then what about his friends? And then what about the city? You know, what about what was going on with the government? What was going on? And I started expanding outward and I started thinking about, and there is, and I realized as I started doing more research, I started finding out that a lot of people were really affected by this event, like greatly affected. There was way more impact. And I think the thing is, is that had I just written the story straight out and just kind of I would have missed out on such so many elements, mm-hmm. and I think that I don't have to use all those elements. Yeah. But my awareness of it helps really inform the story. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So my point is, is that we don't have to use all this statistical stuff no. in film, but it's good for us to be aware of it. It helps inform what we're doing. Yeah. Right?
1: yeah. I mean, I I've quoted Daniel Day Lewis many many times <laughs> before in my life. <laughs> Daniel uh, Day Lewis, who who
0: is this? Yeah. I'm um,
1: <laughs> you know, but like you know he. he with his approach to acting, you know, he says like, it's about creating, he said, it's about creating an understanding of a character that goes far beyond what is actually required. And it's like, and it's not about showing all of that, but he says it's coming from the place of trusting that that understanding will nourish what, what does, what, what you do see. Mm. Um, but it's not about showing everything. Right. I thought that's, that's always stuck with me. It's always stuck with me. It's a great, it was a great GQ interview article with Daniel Day-Lewis from years ago. Um, if somebody can search it up, I'm sure it's, it's, it's fantastic.
0: That's awesome. I mean, you know what I actually, you know, and I, I'd say that parallels just about everything is you, you really do ultimately, you learn all of this stuff and you trust that it's there. And yeah. then you, in, as a writer, you use subtext. You mm-hmm. know, you let the subtext. And the thing is, is that this information informs what you're talking about. And I think that writers go astray when they do too much research and they try to put all their research in their script. Yeah, it's like most so of the it becomes stuff becomes preachy you let, sometimes. Yeah, 95, ninety five, ninety eight percent of what you learn, you'll never use it. But but not learning it, you'll have nothing in the in the well to call from. Mm-hmm. So. You know, and I think that um I think that we you know, it's an it's I don't know where this comes from, but I think it's an intelligent thing for humans to go, everything I wanna utilize everything I learn. I wanna utilize everything I gain, and I don't wanna learn anything additional because I might as well get the most out of what I have to do. And I remember my dad used to tell me, like, I used to say to him when I was younger, I just wanna make films, I just wanna act and he'd be like, Well he's like and he wouldn't say it this way necessarily, but he'd be like, you know, why don't you study? Why don't you try some other things? Like study some of this other stuff, just open your mind. Mm-hmm. And I would say it the best advice he ever gave me because, um, or at least some of the best advice because it got me to learn about sociology. I learned about psychology. I learned about philosophy. Yeah. I'm not going to use that in my writing necessarily. I'm not going to talk about philosophical terms, although I might in some case, yeah. but it's informed me so much learning about all these other things. And I think that, I actually think that what gives me the cutting edge over most writers is that I don't just learn about writing. I don't just learn about one thing. I learn about many, many different things. And I would say that the professional writers that I've met, they're usually very, very intelligent, very like um, aware people. They know a lot about a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And I think that that knowledge about many different things fills your well as a writer. And I would imagine that it's the same as a actor, and I would not be surprised as a musician.
1: Yeah, I read this article from uh, of of a director, can't place the name right now, but you know, long time like working director, real like veteran, and uh, of like of independent film. And you know, his first piece of advice was he's like, go and do something else, like go and live some life. He's like, you know, I. It's like I was like worked in a prison. I did this, I did that. And it's like, and that all, you know, makes its way into how I make films somehow, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, but go and live some life, get some experience in doing in, in living. You know, I I've said this before, but you know, Larry Silverberg said, I remember him telling, uh, an actor one time, uh, coming into a scene. He's like, okay, like what, like, what was sort of like your, you know, when you, when you stepped when you stepped on stage, you know, in this moment, like what, what had happened to you? Like what, what was fueling you when you walked in here? And, you know, they were telling us like, oh, you know, I just like, it was an imaginary thing that they'd cooked up to sort of, you know, give them an emotional sort of palette to, to come in from. And, and it was something was like, oh, I just found out that I'm like getting flown down to like, LA to audition for this new project and blah. And I should say this by the way, because this was at the end of the scene when this questioning began, and uh and there was something about it that was not working. Right. You know, it was not getting there. And he was immediately he's like, okay, alright. He's like, you need to find a different preparation for like creating this joyous feeling because he said, acting doesn't feel you're acting. Mm. Uh, And I would say that, you know, to a large degree, art doesn't fuel your art. Like, you know, you can be inspired by, by art. Absolutely. I won't say you can't, you know, but for you as an, as, as an individual, as, as a creator of sorts, your life fuels your art, Mm -hmm. life fuels it. Right. So it's like when you, I don't know how this, I'm just trying to think. So yeah, like it, it goes to like this advice that your, your dad was saying, you go and do something else. Yeah. Go and do something else. Because if you never come out of your bubble of, it's just like, you know, uh, you know, I'm an actor or I'm a painter or I'm a musician, you know, it's like, and, and that's, and you just, that's like what you stay closed in. Like you don't, you don't expand your mind to, to the world. I mean, we create art because it's supposed to be a reflection of life. You know, it's supposed to it's supposed to tell us something about life and and this existence that we have. And if you're not experiencing it for yourself, you know, and really taking it in, then I don't know where, where you're coming from.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. I think, you know, I think, um, life experiences is ultimately the best thing you can have. I think, and I think that, uh, you know, I was thinking about this actually, it's funny, you brought this up, but the other day about if you really want to be a great artist, don't try and live a comfortable life. I, and it's not about a painful life or whatever. It's just about, you got to go and live. You got to go experience stuff. You got to go talk to people. You got to go do things. You got to go put your heart on the line. You got to go try some stuff. And, um, yeah, come up to some of your
1: boundaries.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, when I find my limitations as a writer is usually because I haven't lived that yet. And when I look at other writers who can do things that I'm not able to yet, I I usually find out that they live some life that I haven't lived, and I'm like, wow, like I just think how fortunate they are, because I, you know, I want to be a great writer, but I'm like, yeah, but they have the life to call from. I don't have that yet. Like when I watch political shows, for example, at least at this point, I'm like, how the hell do they write this stuff? But I'm like, they have observed it, they've learned it, they've investigated it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas for me, when I'm watching, say House of Cards. I mean, I, I think I know a little bit about politics, but I'm like, I'm learning some stuff because I'm like, you know, we're Absolutely. watching, uh, what's that other one? Uh, I have like, um, a whole bunch of copies of it. Uh, anyway. <laughs> West wing, West wing. That's it. Yeah. You know, West wing to me is like a learning experience because you know, I, I don't
1: Aaron Sorkin, Aaron Sorkin, yeah. right. But you know, he's well informed in that area. But anyway, I mean, the Lake- thing is, is you're, you're well informed in other areas that sure. Aaron Sorkin isn't we, we like to believe. <laughs> no, but no, but you are, you are like that. That's, that's the other thing. I mean, if there's yeah. something that you truly want to be able to do, it's like, cause yeah, I'm, I'm floored when I, when I see, cause there is like when you watch something like house of cards or the West wing, you know, like that's, you know, I don't know a ton about like the inner workings of, of politics, but I feel like I have learned something through it. Do I feel then like a, a huge urge and desire to learn about that world so I can write something like that? No, I don't. Right. You know, that's that. I I, I just don't have that pull. That doesn't mean that I don't love and really appreciate what somebody like that does. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a tremendous appreciation for somebody who, who knows about those types of things. Right. You know, who can divorce or, you know, the stuff that's been, you know, the movies that have been made about wall street, which is an, another thing, you know, you, you get a glimpse at this stuff and I'm like, and I'm like, thank you. I have no desire to actually go out and f- learn all of the detailed inner workings of that. But you've given me a glimpse into that and I'm richer for it now.
0: Yeah, I guess that's the beauty of it all. Because, you know, you you share an experience like that's why actually, you know, I, I'm glad you brought that up. Actually, I, that's what I'm kind of excited about sharing this true story and helping be a part of writing it, which is that most people don't know what he went through to survive on the edge of this mountain for like three days and almost three nights, you know, and I I walked around the other day and I hadn't eaten for like four or five or six hours and I was really hungry. And I was like, oh man, I'm so hungry. And then I was thinking like, yeah, but he survived for, you know, three days with no food and like maybe technically longer. And I'm like, wow, like, and it really kind of just put things in perspective, you know? And then I thought about like, man, I'm really tired tonight. I was like really tired. and I'm like, he didn't sleep for three days because he would have froze to death. Like, and you start putting this stuff into perspective and you go, wow, like, you know, and, and I don't know what it's like. I mean, I've stayed, I've actually stayed up for three days, but didn't stay up for, th- and it was hard, but I stayed up for three days and I was like in a house that was like relatively warm. <laughs> and like I flew, you know, like for the most part, yeah. I wasn't ho- like, it wasn't that bad. Right. But like, I'm thinking about him, like you're alone. It's dark out. You're, freezing cold. You're hungry. Yeah. Like you're, you're dealing with the edge of cliffs of a mountain. You know, you're going through snow, this chest
1: height, you're actually walking on the edge of survival. Yeah. And so in some
0: ways I'm like, this is so crazy that I'm trying to write this story, which like I've never really experienced, but I've had moments as a, a snowboarder where I fell off the edge of a cliff. And I remember being buried in snow and like, uh, you know, and I've gone down a glacier and I know what that's like. You know, I have experiences. So I try to call from these experiences I have. I know what it's like to, you know, I remember one time, for example, my board broke when I, uh, when I was up at the top of a glacier and I was with two skiers and they'd taken off and they guess they thought I was slow because was a border and I had to climb down from the top of the mountain. But fortunately, um, and I usually had to cross a Creek. There was a tree that fell over and I had to cross a Creek. Like it's kind of crazy. So I have some experience of what, he 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 went through nothing to that level. Yeah. But those experiences are absolute gold right now. Yeah. They're like if I didn't have those, I I don't even know if I could even really try on, even to a yeah. degree, what he's going through. So my snowboarding, which seems totally unrelated to my writing, is absolutely totally relating. You know, um another time where my binding broke and uh we went from my brother and I went from out of bounds into bounds. And my binding broke as we came over the edge and my board, like I lost control and went right over the other edge. And I went like 12 or 18 feet down. It wasn't that far, but it was super powdery. And I was upside down and I was stuck. And I was like, you know, sphere kind of comes over because you're like, Oh my God, like, I'm going to fucking like die here in a tree. Well, because I'm stuck and I'm screaming, I'm yelling to people who are only 18 feet skiing by, Hey, help, help, help. No one could hear me eventually I was like, I'm going to have to get out of this alone. And it, you know, it took me maybe like 20 minutes and I had to climb back up with my board. And I'm like, like, imagine trying to do that and realizing that it was impossible and that there was no easy way back up, that you only yeah. way down was to keep going down that hill. Like that's basically what you had to do. So these little experiences I had, which were not nearly that extreme, they informed this like gold, you know. And it's life. That's life, right? Like, life gives you these opportunities. You don't even. When that happened, did I have any idea that, hey, one day, Brandon, you'll be writing a story about a snowboarder who nearly died on the side of a mountain? Yeah. You know? Like, no, but I was off doing what I thought was important to me at that time, got some life experience, and now all of a sudden, that's one of the most important experiences of my life because it serves exactly what I'm trying to do here.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. You never know what these things are going to lead to from your life, you know, and how these might color the next, you know, the next chapter in your life. Like there's just, there's nothing, nothing's ever wasted.
0: No, that's the thing. Every life experience we have, like, especially, I mean, especially, I mean, I can say this for writers <laughs> or an actor or an artist period, probably. Yeah. but if you are in an art, if you're in the arts, every life experience you have, just like, it's all gold, good or bad, up or down. It's all like, it's all just waiting. Like you never know, but it might become your next thing, and if you never had it, you would really
1: miss out. Yeah. You know? It's all it's all grist for the mill.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, well, why don't we mention this beer?
1: Um, yeah, please. I'm, I'm going to take a wild stab at this because you got right. the beer today. This is some kind of a Pilsner.
0: This, uh, well, I got to pull up the picture here. Um, is it a Pilsner? Well, it it's t- actually a Kolsch. Kolsch. A Kolsch, oh, okay. German blonde ale. Okay. Klutz Kolsch, it's called. 5%. And it was from our lovely friends at Brassneck Brewery. Brassneck. Brassneck. Thank you, Brassneck, for being so close to my home because I was in a rush today, <laughs> <laughs> and I had to pick up a beer.
1: And yeah, I've I, always I, got something fresh yeah, on yeah. tap and something tasty.
0: Yeah, we've gotten through. We've gotten through a lot of their beers now, but um, but this is pretty good actually. I'm, I'm
1: enjoying it. This is one. it goes down pretty easy. It's it's got a richness to it. Yeah, but it's um. Yeah. It's got a richness. It's got a bit of a, of a, almost a honey, honeyish kind of a linger yeah. to it. Um, but it's still pretty, it's still pretty crisp. It's still pretty.
0: Yeah. I like it. It's, um, you know, I'm, I, when I, when I tasted it, I was like, you know, this is kind of good, refreshing kind of summery beer. Um, it, it's light and, uh, it has a little bit of that ale quality to it, but it's yeah. not, I don't know. It just seemed, seemed like it was such a hot day. I'm like, yeah. this will be a nice refreshing drink for us.
1: Yeah. (laughs) It's a very rich yellow. Yeah. But it's going down easy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm enjoying it. Me
0: too. Me too. Um, okay. So, well, I mean, why don't we wrap this baby up? Yeah. Yeah. What do you got to say about today, Evan? Yeah. Like we, uh, (laughs) Cov- I turn it. See how quick I am? I turn on you first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, we
1: covered. Some, I've been doing that a lot. We actually. covered some territory. <laughs> we're, we're, like, what, did, what did we start with? You, we, yeah, with your. your we started, you with, started with your writing, uh, and it's a casual yeah. Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see what happens. Um, no, I mean we. You know with. Uh, working a script in, and discovering new ways of in your process, yeah, that was a that was a big thing, right? You within know, the process, within the process, like yeah. discover, like creativity within the process itself, constantly evolving yourself as you know, like how you are in your process with because you know what you do, you you I think you rely on these things. Like at some point, like you know, you reach you reach a level where you know you never stop learning. But you do reach a point where I feel it's like, okay, you know what? I've learned a lot. <laughs> you know, I've learned a lot of these techniques, I learned a lot of these tools. Now it's time for me to just begin doing it. And then you start to find these things that work for you and and how you can tweak things and, and refigure things and make it better and, and stuff that I feel that gets more to the heart of of what you do and how you work. Um so yeah just you know be be open don't ever think that you've you've learned everything that you can know about how you work mm-hmm. you know there's like be open and creativity will play with you there too just as much as it will play with you in you know the sort of what we would more conventionally think of as the creative element to you know being an artist uh as well I don't know man then what, well, what, what do we move on to there? I'm like retracing our steps because this is always, this is always like one of the toughest parts for me. Especially of, on a not, so yeah. not so serious well, Sunday. Especially on a not so serious Sunday. Well, here's
0: we one just, thing that stood out for me please. was we talked a lot about, um, authenticity and we talked about, you know, trusting that the store like trusting, like what's, what's in you authentically. And, um, that really stands out for me is that, you know, we, I, cause we, we're really balancing a line on this podcast. So, you know, listen to statistics, be aware, be open, you know, to what's going on in the world. But at the same time, it's crude. Those, the, especially with art, I don't know if they're ever going to get it super refined, but, um, understand it, be aware of it, you know, help allow it to help you make your choices. But at the end of the day, rely back on your vision and your authenticity, Yes. but don't just be ignorant and say, I don't care about statistics. I'm just going to be vision and I'm just going to be authentic. And that'll be enough because I really think that, you know, that's, the, that's what we're really trying to do on this podcast. We're trying to find that line artistry and industry, you know, and, and, and it's not the same for everybody. It's a gray scale. It's not black and white and there's no like, like hundred percent perfect pinpoint yeah. thing. It's about finding that sweet spot,
1: you know, that sweet area. And the thing is, is that that's, that's going to change from, that's going to change from, from project to project, from, from one work to the next, you know, and, and it it comes down to awareness, which was, I think another big thing that we talked about today, uh, within what you're saying, being ignorant to, you know, some of the, you know, the industry standards is, is not going to, is not going to serve you, you know, by knowing it, you're, you're able to make a choice. You're able to make a decision on how you're going to move and to find that, that sweet spot. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I also think, um, we, we said the word ignorance, but also not denial either, because sometimes you can be aware of something and then just deny it. Cause I think a lot of people are quite aware of a lot of industry things and yeah. they just deny them. And I think that, that, you know, that, that works against you just as much. I mean, denial is not going to help you. Um, but also at the same time, when I say that, I think what I really want to leave people with too, is don't start just bowing down to statistics and bowing down to averages and bowing down to, you know, um like who was it that said the problem with common sense is that it's so common?
1: <laughs> no, I <laughs> I don't, no 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 I don't think that that's what it's I, my dad used to always tell me he's like um there's nothing common about sense was yeah. what he used to say, but <laughs> Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Either way, there's probably a counter counter. Either way, I
0: think you gotta, you know, you think you gotta understand how things work and then, and then do your best within it, you know? Like, and, and I think when I come back to the writing thing, I said some things about principles, you know, things are kind of exist. Like for example, gravity exists and you learn how to deal with that. You function in the world and gravity still exists. I think the film industry is the same way. There's certain things that just exist. Um, like what gets people to go out and see a movie? You know, um, they have to recognize value in it. That's period. It's not like, you know, you could say, well, they need names to recognize value. They need a script. No, they just need to recognize value. It doesn't necessarily mean that you have to have any of these things, but they have to recognize value. And for them to talk highly to their friends about it, they have to have experienced value in which they would share. These are not things that we, any of us can be, but the way the industry describes how you need to meet these things. I don't know if that's necessarily correct. Yeah. Right. You might have found something within yourself. Some authenticity is true, but don't just do it from a place of ignorance or denial. Do it from a place of awareness. Yes. Yeah. Perfect. I like that. You double tap. That's a good sign. Yeah. (laughs) I hit my eye. It's like, that's it, man. You nailed it. All right. I'm going to get a shawarma, Evan.